0: Pastor John has been uh, bringing us the state of the church. A sermon so great it's going to last two weeks, okay. maybe five. But uh, praise God that we don't just have a diagnosis, but He's provided us with a cure, and uh, we just have to take it. You know, so come on and share the word with us,
1: brother, for that articulate time of announcement. It's not your fault we set you up. (laughs) It's always something new, right? Good morning, saints. I always like to get close to you, even though you all like to get away from me. (laughs) Here we are. Well, last week was the beginning of the state of the church, and um, I I always stress about these. I've told you that, right? Because I'm worried. I want to make sure that I'm speaking life. I got full assurance after last week that I spoke life. So today, guess what? It's time to speak death. No, (laughs) it's the last thing I want to do. But it is time to address some of our brokenness. So um, I was thinking about it as we were, uh, so several things I need to say. One, I always have in mind that people might be visiting. And so uh, I think of our sisters from the camp and you came to hear some good bible teaching today oh will you be disappointed no i'm <laughs> kidding i will be teaching from the scripture and uh it, usually we're in our series right now our series is grace illustrated and uh, i feel like that could go on for 5 years how do you ever il- how do you ever adequately illustrate and flesh out the grace of god how can you ever be done with it and uh, done understanding it and all the different aspects of it. This morning as we were um, uh, getting ready to pray with the worship team and one of the brothers who's been plowing through, anybody else plowing through the Daily Bible? Oh, I'm a little nervous now. But they said, man, I'm reading this stuff in the Old Testament. It's like God saying, I'm going to turn my back on you, this kind of thing. It's like, what? Yeah, there's stuff about God we don't get right, so I'm going to speak into that a little bit today because I think it's appropriately. So normally we're in that series. If you if you uh, haven't been here before, I want to welcome you back, especially if you don't have a home church or if you're disenfranchised from an assembly, and uh, or you're seeking to know is there anything to this spiritual reality? Like, is there a God? Is there eternity? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? Yes. And there's a way to know it for sure. There is a way to know it. Not because we're so cool. See, that's what people get wrong. They think Christians are strutting around. We we know that we're we're absolutely sure about this. Who makes you so important? You know, that kind of thing. It's not us that's important. We were singing about it today, right? Who's important? Who's the one that I need as my vision is God. And these songs that we sang about running to your heart and all of that, when I was listening to that, a passage of scripture came into, our, into my mind, and I'm going to use it to lead us in prayer right now. Can we do that? Let's pray together. <clears throat> Thanks for every place your grace is working. Lord, as we were worshiping today, and I looked around and I saw people lifting, sometimes lifting hands, definitely some lifting hearts, uh, those who are hungry for you, I just felt so grateful for the grace of God at work in lives that you have redeemed, and actually felt the the energy, if you will of the body of Christ that we are we are a living thing because of your spirit indwelling us we can We can be in that body and not cooperate with that spirit. We can be outside that body, but sitting in this room, in church, but out of the body of Christ. I'm praying for you to pursue those who are just kind of sniffing around and not sure they want to jump in. Because that's where life is. For your name's sake, God, draw them. But, Father, what came to my mind as we sang these songs, which they are many times aspirations of our heart. It's the aspiration rather than the reality. I'm running to your heart. I'm running to your heart. I think, Lord, about Paul when he entered into Athens and he saw that the whole city was full of idols. And I thought, well, that's where we live today, Lord, Athens, the whole city is full of idols. Some of them are in bank accounts. Some of them are for tired idols. Some of them are plans in our future. Some of them are children. All kinds of things. And so, God, we need help, grace, to see you clearly. Clearly. To have an experience somewhat like my brother Derek just prayed about, which happened to the great prophet Isaiah, that one day, out of the blue, he saw the Lord lifted up and he fell on his face. Woe is me. Left to myself, I'm doomed. And yet you came to him, touched his lips with a coal and purified him and then gave him an invitation. I'm actually not only going to cleanse you, I want to use you if you want to be used. Would you help us to be used? Help us as your assembly, your precious sheep in, in his arms. He carries us all day long, whether we realize it or not. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We pray in your great name and all of God's people said, amen. amen. So I don't need to preach now after that, right? Okay, the state of the church, part two. Last week, I said we're at a, remember the picture of the crossroads, the two directions, and uh, we can go one way, which would be in classical language of my friends in New York City that I grew up with, meh, or into something vital. And I had an exhortation come back to me. Exhortations can be a rebuking type of exhortation. or They can be, come on. Yeah. I think it was more like that. I just want to be clear for my sake, okay? Dean, how are you feeling? Sorry. He had uh, last-minute surgery this week. I didn't think you'd be here. You're a wild one. You are. Yes, you are. God bless you. Anyway. Um, sorry about that. Um, one of my apologies today will be about my ADD, but I can't help it. <laughs> meh is not the glorification of our Father in heaven. Most churches choose meh. Do you follow what I'm saying? They do. It's like, take the easy way. Don't rile anybody. Don't, don't agitate anything. Let all the dysfunction stay where it is. But to really go forward... You have to take some risk. It's one of the things I probably won't have time to address this morning. It's one of my verses. I'll save it for another time, maybe in our grace series. But you got to, you got to at some point take risk because God leads us into an adventure. We walk by faith, not by sight. So there's something about that, right? And I, I just, I was encouraged to just say what I think, and that is. I have been in ministry for 45 years, 44 or 45. I got saved in 1971. I was never the same again when I got turned around. I made a determination from that point because of the grace of God, not because I'm wonderful. Do you hear me? I know you don't have to reinforce that I'm not wonderful. <laughs> but because of the grace of God, I decided I want to live for him. In fact, my conversion prayer, did I ever tell you guys my conversion prayer? Even if I did, you're going to hear it again. I got on my knees. I knew nothing. I didn't have a gospel tract. I didn't have anything to coach me. How do I pray right? I just said, God, if you'll show me who you are, I'll do anything you ask. I've been trying to do that ever since. I've gotten off track a couple of times, Um, maybe once. But when I come to my senses, the grace of God pulls me back again. I want to live for you, and I want you glorified. And I'm going to tell you, if I'm in charge here, and I'm not the king, he's there's only one king, and there's only one lord of the church, but I'm here to coach because that's what a pastor is supposed to do. I want the glory of God to be our portion, not meh. So our choices will will inform our future really our choices will inform our future so today let me just remind us of uh, the first verse that we looked at last week that we do have a little strength remember that uh, verse that I lifted out of the book of Revelation and we're not that church in the book of Revelation that uh, had opposition from the enemy I mean we are a church that has opposition from the enemy every church who's trying to live for Jesus is going to have opposition from the enemy everybody get me on that All those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If I haven't torqued somebody short sometime, maybe I'm not doing my job. Oh, I'm giving away part of my sermon. I better be quiet. (laughs) Revelation. Let's go to that verse. I know your deeds. Behold, I've put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have a little power. And that was my emphasis, right? We have a little power. You know, we're not like the most powerful church on the East Coast. You figured that out, right? I've been in some of them, but we have a little power. And of course, the one that we serve has unlimited power. So I want to get a little more of that in here. That's the idea. Because you have a little power. So last week I spoke into some of the good things. We have some tracks in place. We have um small groups that have been established. You want to grow, you need to go dig in there and get real. Getting real about where I am, what's wrong, where I'm busted. Can I just... Can, now, there, there it is again, the ADD. <clears throat> no, nope, I'm going to let it go on this one. Here's why. I hate having the best, most edifying conversations I ever have behind closed doors with Christians who are experiencing transformation and the work of the Spirit. That should be all over the place here. So we have some small groups. we, We train some visitation teams. We need to move that forward. We can feel the atmosphere changing, and we said, yay. And I challenged everybody about stepping up to serve, which my fine brother just reinforced a few moments ago. Can I say something about serving for a minute? Yes, I can. Yes, you should. Thank you. And I should. I already said it last time, so I'm not going to belabor it. Everyone has a gift. There's something God wants you to do. If you're part of this fellowship, there's something he wants you to do here. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, anytime there... Vince! How you doing, bro? Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) You're going to get your turn. Just wait a minute. Where was I? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one of the best. One of the best. Any time there's a member of the body that is allowed to remain idle, it's harming the whole body. Life Together, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, worth reading carefully. Don't, don't speed read it. Meditate. So let me say this, though. You may be new here. You may need some healing. Maybe you were in a church like our brother uh, Ryan back there. One of the reasons uh, he's such a blessing to me, he's jumped in with both feet and, and uh, tries to help me look good, which is a major project, I mean, and... <laughs> When he came here, he had been used up in his last congregation, kind of chewed up, spat out, forgotten about, that kind of a thing. Is that all right that I put it that way? He says yes. But say, if you're in that condition, you're still like, yeah, sure, I want to serve. (laughs) Take a rest. Sit, soak in, get healed up. Talk to some spiritual counsel who can encourage you, heal you up. Take some time. If you're doing that for five years, I may need to have a chat with you. (laughs) Otherwise, then step up. So I'm probably the first pastor you'll ever encounter who says, this is my vision of serving in the church. We should be worshiping here, which not everybody takes seriously, every week. That's your duty before God to lift up and glorify the master. It's your job. The world's watching. They figured you out, doesn't mean anything to too many. Everybody get me? Not being subtle about that, all right. Second thing is, I have a gift, so there's something I should be participating in to help the ministry of the church go forward. I didn't say I should be doing 15 things. Our past generation, God bless them, they were the builders, they were the ones who made the church what it is in America, okay? In other words, they they invested financially, they invested in facilities, they invested in training, they invested in seminaries. The reason we have any, we're still riding the coattails of that and we're running out of gas, friends, because the next generation has not risen up to that. So the face of the church is going to change radically in the next 15 years. It just is. Places like this will start to erase. I'm just being blunt. What happened that was negative then, and you've heard this, I turned my back on the church because my parents were there every minute that door was open. That's not godly. It's a mistake. It's a mistake. So I may be the first pastor who might tell you and have told some of you, drop some of what you're doing. You'll get your turn. I just
0: have a question. When you say it's not godly, was it not godly for the parents to be there every minute or for the child to hold?
1: Both. Both. Holding a grudge is sin. But modeling badly is sin, right? What they the message they get is you love all that more than you love me. Don't you think pastors are at risk on that front? Amen. I that's why I put that as a priority that I wasn't going to lose my kids in the process, if possible. Anyway, that that'll get my ADD way out where we'll all be out in the parking lot looking for cars with lights on. You know. <laughs> so so let me pull it back okay so I'm encouraging you find a place to serve don't kill yourself God wants you to have a life can you imagine if God actually wants you to enjoy your life I know that's a shock here's where you get it wrong can I just preach here's where we get it wrong I'm gonna enjoy my life oh and by the way I'll pay attention to God when I have time we get it backwards Give your life to Christ first. Let him give you the enjoyment you're supposed to have. You've got it upside down too many times, right? I'm going to make this happen. I am going. I'm going. She's telling me, go, preacher, go. What are you, Southern Baptist or something? (laughs) We have another one here. Come on, I haven't heard you yet. All right. Here we go. So far, I'm still speaking life, right? Thank you. We have a little power, but we do have, let's go to the next slide, a weakness. We have weakness says. We can work on weakness says. But one of our weaknesses, and you've heard me speak about it before, and I'm going to manifest it out of this text. There's a story in the New Testament where Jesus goes to visit his hometown. Anybody remember how it went? Not so well. We're talking about God in the flesh. We're talking about the best teacher, the best preacher, the best prophet, the best miracle worker the human race has ever seen and it didn't go well. Can you imagine? You can get the best preacher on the planet, and it may not go well for your church. Of course, you haven't gotten the best preacher on the planet, so you all get me? Here we go. He could do no miracle there. Isn't that amazing? Jesus' hands were tied. He could do no miracle there except... I love this. He laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them like we'd be falling over, you know? Eh, just a couple of healings. <laughs> 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 no big deal, exactly. But he wondered. He was, ast- Jesus was astounded, astounded at the unbelief of his people. Those were the church people, guys. Let's not kid ourselves. I can't tell you how many times I've heard it around here. Now that we're reading the Old Testament, some of you probably for the first time ever, and you're going, can you believe those people back there? Yeah. Say say that again, dear. They're just exactly. And we go, oh, I would never be like that. You already are. Look in the mirror. Figure it out. That's a classic, Mark. Okay. Okay. It's a classic mark of Phariseeism. I'm not like that. Yow. Okay, I'm going to take a risk here. Going to get a little transparent. Because I sense this at Harmony. I feel like Jesus' hands are a little bit tied up, He wonders at our unbelief. We're being held back. Unbelief, what are you talking about? Unbelief manifests itself in the following ways. Our fears, our obstinance. We act like there's no God that sees what we're doing. He doesn't see what we're posting on Facebook. Really? I'm astounded sometimes that people who are visible here post things. By the way, you know somebody ratted on you because I don't go on Facebook ever. Ever. I said if I ever did, I would quit the next Monday morning. I'd write a resignation. We are representing Jesus, the King of the universe. What, what you are saying? Wherever it is. Doesn't have to be on Facebook. He doesn't see us. Yes, he does. He's the living God. I have to answer to him first. He isn't worth worship. It isn't worth the stress, or let alone sacrifice the stress of making something good happen. Fill in the blanks. So, when I see this, now I'm going to let you inside my mind a little bit. And I told you, I'm taking a risk. You know, visuals really work for me. I get these pictures all the time in my head. So, here's a picture I get in my head. Everybody know what that is? That's your car. (laughs) That's my wife. My wife is saying, That's my husband's car. Because I wait till the light comes on, and, and she's, she says, isn't it, it's there now, and she's like, oh, I'm glad you don't need to stop for gas." It's a sarcastic thing now. Can you imagine my lovely wife actually does have a sarcastic bone in her body? She says to me, huh, We do, isn't she awesome? She's awesome, man. She keeps me straight. Yeah, my wife is awesome. She used to say about me, when I'd say, I don't have a sarcastic bone in my body, she'd say, you got hundreds of them, you know. <laughs> I've been working on that. Anyway, so this is my hope meter. It's not about gas. It's my hope meter. Now, I want to speak life to you. One, it's about there now, which is awesome, Because when I first got here for the first two years, I was running on fumes. Why? Because I saw the level of unbelief, the the lack of connection between how we're behaving and thinking and talking and what God wants for us. It's like He doesn't exist to us. It was exhausting. It was exhausting. So that's why I preached hard when I got here, because I came into a church, where those of you who don't know this, six years ago or beyond, we had some really crisis moments here. Kind of blew the side of the ship out. We're in recovery. We're doing pretty good. I think we're off the emergency ward. I told you we're home going to therapy. All is well. We're on the right task, as long as we keep on the path, as long as we keep our therapy up. We're not totally well. So, I feel like I want to be transparent and, and, uh, and kind of apologize for some things because I may have been misunderstood. But maybe the best way to go around that, dealing with hope, I just have to say this last week, I followed my brother Derek over to the uh, Walter Hoving School for Girls, right, where he preached on hope. And it was awesome. Here's these people rescued out of drug addiction and all the wreckage that comes with that, and they are worshiping God and hoping in him. And I was like, that was a good message. You ought to work for me. (laughs) But there have been times that my hope meter has been low. Okay? So I'm going to ask my brother Ted Youngs to come up because he shared something with me that I thought might be profitable for everybody to hear, so... And Michael's leaving town. Oh, oh! I didn't even think of that. You are.
0: Uh, I'd first like to apologize for, I'm going to probably say, uh, about a thousand times. I'm, I'm going to try not to. I went out and had lunch with Pastor and I explained to him how much I've enjoyed having him here. Uh, how much I've learned, how much I've grown. There was a point in the beginning when he came that, oh, let me start first by I wish uh, money was no object and time was no object because I wouldn't be standing here. I would have had an over voice of this and I would have played it on the speaker. Um, do me a favor, don't look at me because I'm broken. I am probably, if I can say, the most broken person in this room. Um. By the grace of God, I can stand here and talk to you um, free of guilt. I know I'm broken. I know I do wrong. Ask my kids, they'll tell you. If you're on my Facebook page, you know I'm wrong. Um, So for that, as I speak to you, please don't look at me. Listen to my words, because that's all I'm here to say. In the beginning, um, when my family, if I go too long, wave a watch, and I'll stop. But um, I was in the seven-year-ago issue, personally. Um, I'm not going to rehash it because we've done that. We left Harmony for about a year, yeah. And we went to Grace. Grace is a church of 3,500 or 4,000 people on an Easter weekend. I think that's what they said. I was a number. I was a spot. I was a chair. And that's what I needed to be. Pastor talked about it a couple of weeks ago that um, people talk down about big churches or, you know, you don't have uh, the the connectivity or, um, and, and that's what I needed at that time in my life. Um, I had been beaten up and broken and I was mad and upset and I was fighting with God and um, I, I didn't want to hear it. Uh, Pastor Jared um, spoke to my heart. He fed me. Um, I'm going to get back to that. Remind me, please, if I don't. um, Being fed. My wife, after a year, said we really need to go back to harmony. Now, Pastor had been here. um, So we came back. Um, I know I'm the leader of my house, and I know I'm supposed to be the head of my household. But I submitted to my wife Because her need to be here was so much stronger than my need to be there. So I said, all right, I'll go back. I wasn't thrilled with it. But I said, you know, for her, for my family, I'll do that. When I got back, a couple sermons, I felt as though pastor was yelling at me and talking down to me. And I didn't like it. No, it wasn't funny to me. I was mad. I'm like, who's this guy? He doesn't know me. Like, what's he, what's he doing yelling at me? And he gets passionate. He gets mad. I'm like, like you don't know me, bro. Don't, don't talk to me that way. And you can ask her. We had talks on the way home. And I didn't like it. Because I felt like I'm not a person that likes to be talking down to. You want to talk with me? I'll talk with you all day. We want to have different discussions. Jay Luna can vouch for this, wherever Jay is. Um, We can have discussions about things we don't agree with all day. You start talking down to me, that just shuts me off. And that's the way I felt when I got back. I was really upset. Um, (laughs) Then Pastor did a sermon. I don't remember the name of it. It said, uh, it was a sermon about faith not being about what I'm getting out of what he's saying. It's about what I'm doing. or what It was about doing for the church, not what the church is doing for you. And I don't remember this thing. And, and I was like, wait a minute. I don't know why this day over any other day, because he's, he's preached about it a bunch of times. And I'm like, man, like being fed, that's why I went to grace. But it's not about me. I'm like, okay. So being fed wasn't what I was getting out of it. It was getting me back to here. So I was getting what I wanted through Jared, through the pastor, but I wasn't getting what God wanted me to have. When I came back, I felt as though, like I said, he was yelling at me. So I was like, I didn't like that. Then I got to that sermon, and I broke down that week. On the way home, I cried, and I talked to my wife, and I realized that it was self-reflection I was looking for. It had nothing to do with going and being fed. It was about me coming back here to do for the church instead of the church always doing for me. Quick side note, April 1st is Easter. Anybody that's been here for a great amount of time, knows I asked my wife to marry me on Easter singing a song, and the song was Stained Glass Masquerade. If you don't know the song, I encourage you to listen to it. The reason I ask you to listen to it is because at that point, I felt like I was the Stained Glass Masquerade. I put a mask on when I walked through that door, and sat down, and I was happy Teddy. Teddy's life is good, Teddy's life is great, Um, He has a great wife, you know, good family. Inside, I was dying. It was just decaying. But on the outside, I was good. I encourage everybody in this room to do the same thing. And this is where I'm talking about, please don't look at me. Because I know I'm broken. I know there's a glass in front of me. But by the grace of God, I'm free of that and i've been working on that since then so the reason he asked me to come up with self reflection i really 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 encourage you all those sermons <laughs> that i felt like he was yelling at me at i would sit at the end of church and go man there must be some really messed up people in my church cuz he keeps saying he's talking to people man i got to pray for them i got to pray for them i got to pray for them and i pray for them all week i'm telling you i would I would, I would go home and every night, like, I would I, man, pastor was talking to that. Oh, whoever that is, I, I hope, Lord, that you, you come down and touch their heart. Love them. Show them grace. Then I realized he's talking to me. <laughs> it's a different prayer. It's a different prayer. So if you're one of those people that are sitting in the chair every week and get up and walk out the door and say, wow, there's some people that really need my prayer. Next time you look in the mirror, let that prayer be about you because he's probably talking to you. The only other thing I'm going to say is um, about, can I mention one thing about serving? Is that okay? That. One thing. not yes, um, I wasn't serving. I was asked to come to Awana on a Wednesday night. I was totally out of my comfort zone, totally. They put me in a classroom um, with uh, Beth Dockendorf, thank God. Um, a <laughs> Couple other people that were teachers, oh my God. He put me in a place I needed to be because I would have been lost and it wasn't for me. It wasn't for me, I want it wasn't for me. So uh, Terry Lucas came to me one night and goes, hey, he goes, Chris ain't gonna be here tonight and Dan's got a meeting. Jimmy's the only one in, in, in the gym. Can you go help Jimmy? And I said, I said, I guess. I said, In the back of my mind, I'm thinking anything's better than sitting in here. So I said, okay. I said, I'll go. I, I'm being honest. I'm being transparent. So I said, I'm going to the gym. Can I tell you, I got to the gym and fell in love with these kids in the gym. I have now taken on Awana. Um, I do the games for the kids. Uh, if anybody wants to come help me, you're more than welcome to, but you don't have to. Um, I mean that wholeheartedly. Um, The reason I say this is when I started there, I was scared. And by the support of a few people, um, I promised I wouldn't mention their names because they asked me not to. Um, I've gotten texts from them during the week about how awesome it is to pray, that they watch the kids pray in the middle of the gym after uh, games. If you aren't going to serve, be a support system. Let people know. Because I'm not looking for people to say, good job, Teddy. But it's sure easier to take time off from work. It's sure easier to get up when my kids are screaming and yelling and say, come on, I've got to go to Awana. When you know or you feel like you're doing or making a difference in people's lives. So um, I encourage everybody to serve because it's awesome. And um, if you're uncomfortable, then you're right where you're supposed to be. Because <laughs> <laughs> At least that's where I was. So. Thank you, Pastor.
1: All right. That was pretty good. Oh, I don't want this one. Sorry, Mike. Uh, So if you're out there and, boy, do I really hate this guy's guts, you may want to talk to Teddy and get a little clarification. I don't hate you. I love you guys. You know that I really do, really do, and uh, and that's why I, it's, me, it's me. It's who I am, the way I preach, and all of that. I know I'm a little cranky, and I know people sounded thought I was cranky when I first got here, right? Yeah, they did. Now let me let me just say something. I had about I don't think it's more than eight people who really heard me cranking in this church. You hear what I'm saying? I had, I had this somewhere along the line. You, everybody needs somebody they can talk to. Right? You need somebody. And, uh, so there's a few people who heard me on my crankier days. When I wasn't exactly speaking life, you know, the love of Jesus wasn't like oozing out of me the way it was supposed to. I know that's hard for you to believe that I actually have days like that, but yes. Yes. And uh, so for those of you who did, I want to thank you for being there and I want to thank you for being confidential. I also want to apologize if any of my death speak made you think that being that way is normal or healthy. Because it isn't. And something started to change in my life over the three, four years. And I'm now four and a half years and some, some kind of cosmic shift started happening in my own spirit. So that's why I can say to you that you don't have any doubt. I love you. I want the best for us. Which what is the best? God, <laughs> what He has in mind, and um, He is not the one that is moved. Y'all understand that He's not the one that is moved. We're the ones that tie Jesus's hands. He doesn't always act the way we want him to. He doesn't always answer prayer at the timing we want. Mike had said earlier. But he's good and his power is available. And so, if any of that kind of death speak bled out on you, my apologies. Uh, I would ask your forgiveness. Somebody uh, said, You think you know everything. You're right about everything. I know I'm not right about everything. If that came across, I apologize. I am not right about everything. Does anybody remember the day I spoke about the Tappan Zee Bridge? Nope. Okay, then it doesn't matter. I don't have to apologize. I had it wrong. I take stuff like this seriously. If I quote information wrong, I've been accused of quoting things wrong, and they're wrong. I'm like, no, I quoted it right. You just didn't. You come talk to me if you think I'm wrong. I, I will not bite your head off. I know I'm ferocious behind the pulpit. I'm very nice normally, you know. <laughs> a couple hours a week, I'm nice, you know. I, and I, I said, the Tappan Zee Bridge was named after a man named Tappan whose house was burned to the ground because he was an abolitionist. The facts about Tappan are correct. The bridge was named after a tribe. Just wanted to correct that because that matters to me. I would not go to my grave in peace if I didn't tell you that. (laughs) So sometimes you make mistakes. My ADD makes me worse. I know that. Okay. But what I'm doing today is not about crankiness or death speak or anything. It's about where we need to grow. And what Teddy just said is critical mass our conversation at the dinner table went this way. He said, the minute I started examining myself, I started doing reflection is when the light started coming on. Hello. That's the whole point. Let me show you a verse as far as us changing. We need to change individually. And one of the ways that we can is by learning the ministry of admonition. I've got an excellent tape by John Ortberg. I'm willing to share it. I got to get it back, though. It's something we can all learn from, right? Right. Don, you talked to me this last week. we were kicking that around. You know, how do you speak into somebody's life? And I gave him an example. Here's a way to ask a question. But look at this verse in Romans. Concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced. You yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge. This doesn't mean we've arrived. That's not what he's saying. You Roman Christians, there's nobody like you. That's not what he's saying. The goodness of God and the grace of God and the... The knowledge of God is available to the believer and you are able also to what? Admonish one another. Yes, ma'am. Oh, thank you. Okay, you started this, all right? I just want to be clear. You started what is about to happen You just started. You guys ready? Okay. I'm going to... I knew you were going to ask that. This is one time I'm on the front end of this for a change. Judging... uh, Let me just give you the quick. Judging is when all we're doing is thinking we're superior and we're criticizing the other person. That's judgment. Judgment. Right. Admonishment is exhorting and challenging when you are broken and there's something wrong and I want to speak life to you when I'm admonishing or rebuking or coming alongside the word. What's the word uh, for the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, um, our comforter, the word comfort is related to that. It's the word to comfort can mean get off your butt get going here. Quit wallowing in self-pity. I'm telling you, I've had enough of this. That can be admonishment. That can be loving rebuke. It can also be, hey, you can do this like we do to each other in a race, right? Come on, we can make it. We're going to make it to the end. It's that kind of thing. It's There's a variety of dimensions of it, right? Phariseeism, which is The problem of our generation, all generations, right, is I'm better than you. I would never be like you. And uh, you just think you're not as good as me. You're not doing it right, whatever it is. And even if I'm not that good, I still think you're worse. (laughs) I'm just telling you, right? Right. So, and I mean, it's not like there isn't a real world out there where we look at certain people. We say those people are bad people. You know, certain neighborhoods. You know, that's bad, bad section of town. Whatever. We understand that, but that's talking about a different thing. It's not talking about who we are spiritually. So, somebody sent me this. I won't mention any names, Gene, but um, a, a blog off the off the internet, which I don't spend a lot of time on the internet at all, actually, except when I need something guy named Matt Walsh, I don't know anything about him. I can't say whether he's good or bad, really, but this certainly rang a bell. Listen to this. Dear churches, if you aren't making people feel judged, you aren't doing your job. Listen to how quiet it just got. I'll tell you why it just got quiet. Because we are confused between being judgmental and being judged because the scripture says we need to judge ourselves so that God doesn't judge us. Hello? Okay, so here's what it says. I'm just going to read a little. It's kind of fun. He's talking about the bad state of the church. He says, I certainly blame the church and church leaders for much of this, but I can't blame them entirely. Individual Christians are at fault for their own ignorance and apostasy. Apostasy means the falling of a falling away from the faith brothers and sisters when we have churches all over the landscape that don't believe jesus rose from the dead that don't believe the word of god is true that don't believe there are absolutes right and wrong which there are we don't always know all the details but there are right and wrong absolutes who did i just hear say say to me that thing about was it you uh, you know if you say someone says to you there's a, there are no absolutes the question to respond with is, are you absolutely sure about that? <laughs> because if you are absolutely sure about that, you just contradicted yourself. Hello. We, we, we think deeply about these issues, do we not? No, we don't. Christians are at fault for their own ignorance and apostasy. They don't know what their religion teaches because they're too lazy to investigate their own belief system. This guy is not... Warm and fuzzy. Just want you to know. Not just lazy, but cowardly. Here's the line that gets my attention. They create their own religion because they're afraid to confront the truth and submit themselves to a law outside themselves. I see it all the time. In fact, I wrote this down in my notes. I may have to close pretty soon, so let me just read it. The days I dream of retirement are the days that I recall how exhausted, how exhausted I am trying to convince Christians to obey the book they say they believe. I get exhausted smacking my head against the wall, trying to show them clearly. They won't even talk to me sometimes. Just look at what it says. Then you decide. I don't hate you. Just let me tell you what it says. Do you believe God loves you? Yes. Really? Yes. Even the way you are? (laughs) That's not a trick question. He does love us. He doesn't like everything about us. There's things that have to change. My job is not to make you happy. That's not what I'm here for. My job is to help you become holy. So this, this, this stinking article you sent me convicted me. She's waving at me. Fine, we'll talk later. Anyway, I'm kidding you. It's cowardice on the part of churches and their leaders that they don't force their flocks to confront the truth. There are strikingly few, even though a majority Christian nation, which, by the way, just leave politics out of it. There are strikingly few Christian leaders who are willing to stand up and offer some clarity and direction to the legions, get this, legions of lost sheep bumbling around and casually apostatizing. All we hear is the same refrain, as millions of Christians slide smiling into hell. Did you hear what he said? Smiling into hell. We must not judge. We cannot allow these precious sensitive souls to feel uncomfortable. We must be welcoming and inclusive and tolerant. We must accompany them. I'm lost. Listen, accompany, include me in what? Include me, accompany me where? If I'm lost and moments away from walking over a cliff, I'd much prefer that you point me in the right direction than accompany me over the edge and welcome me to my demise and see that I am included at the morgue. That is all very polite, I guess. But your pleasant manners won't be much help to me when I'm a pancake. And what if I'm very lost? And this is what I was talking about that exhausts me. What if I'm distracted in my wandering and obstinate and arrogant and unable to hear or unwilling to listen to your gentle reminders and subtle nudges? Well, then maybe you'll have to shout. Maybe you'll have to get in my face a little. I'm so glad people did get in my face. I think of the guy struggling with... Same-sex attraction and all of that. Whose parents held the line when they say you you need to validate me, and they said we can't validate it. It's a lie. It's not true. And later, when repentance became their gift, thank God for the gift of repentance. They had to come back to their parents to say thank you for not bending the rules to make me happy. Thank you. You've got to keep the end in sight, friends. You have to, and this is why we have issues, is because of our unbelief. We don't think these stark, raving realities are true. One day we will stand before the master. This indeed is the state of most Christians in this country today. We're lost, distracted, obstinate, arrogant, foolish, stubborn. We're cowards. We would rather walk gently into damnation than have our course rudely corrected. Careful? Did I hear careful? Careful. I'm putting myself at risk. I know this is not popular to talk like this, okay? It's just the reality. I don't believe that Christians are called to be rude. Did, did you all hear me? I believe we're called to examine ourselves and let God mold us into the very personality of Jesus who loved sinners, but he didn't lie to them. He loved them. He drew them to himself. They were attracted to Pharisees hated to be around him, right? publicans and sinners, prostitutes, whatever, there was something winsome about him because he was telling them about a God who loves them and wants to rescue them from their dead-end existence. And that's the way we ought to be. We are capable of admonishing one another. Harmony, your history, does not do a whole lot of that at all. I'm just telling you what I see bad behavior has been tolerated far too long let me tell you about an encounter I had and some of you may know who it is I'm not gonna say but I was interacting with a brethren so you don't even know whether it's a girl or a boy a brethren who has very opposite views of some of your views and I was taught because God has some clear views about life about gender about right and wrong, morals, the, 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 the condition of immigrants and the poor. Did you know God has opinions about that stuff? And we don't always get it right. And so sometimes we're in disagreement. This person was probably mostly in disagreement with me. we had this wonderful kind of like, who was Teddy? You were talking about talking to Jay. Same thing. I love interacting with Jay. That, that kind of a dialogue. What about this side? Have you thought about that side? And we're having that dialogue. I held my ground. I know I'm correct on that because the Bible says so. And it's not because we ignorantly believe the Bible. It's because there's reasons to believe the Bible. And at the end of the conversation, that brethren said to me, This has been such a pleasure. It's the first time I've had a conversation in this church about these things without somebody screaming at me. To which I had to say, I humbly apologize on behalf of my church. No wonder my hope meter is low. No wonder I'm embarrassed sometimes. And I'm not the only one. I was having a wonderful meeting with some of our sisters one day, and a sister came clean and said, I don't want to invite people here. That's changing, by the way. I need to make it clear. <laughs> it did change, right? It did change. But uh, Mr. Rainer, you know that pain in the neck, Rainer? He's always writing things and aggravating us and stuff. He's got one in here. So where is it? Come on. There it is. People aren't going to invite someone to their church when they're secretly aren't excited about going themselves. Duh. (laughs) I want to go to church today, but I may run into so and so. Yikes. (laughs) Hey, why don't we start admonishing one another, grow up in Christ? We should be able to have adult disagreements and still love each other. And when you all see the light, you'll know that I'm right about everything. I'm kidding. (laughs) I make a quick comment? You better make it quick because I'm running out of time and I'm going to have to quit before the end. I just
0: want to make a quick comment coming from a, a family that was not here back in the day. Whatever happened, happened. <laughs> My family doesn't know anything about that. We weren't here. We've been going here for about a year or so. Yes, sir. We were pretty much um, orphans as far as as far as far finding a church. It's about two years ago. When it's we a good way to put Christ it. Christ as a family. Yeah. And we were struggling trying to find a church. We're into a couple of larger churches, a couple of smaller churches, and we came here, and just the one thing we found here was honesty. And, 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 Yay! And
1: it comes from an
0: attitude of, I, I, we don't know what happened, we weren't here ain't our business, but when we came here, we found honesty, and, and yeah, every once in a while I feel like I'm just being admonished, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll challenge you of most broken person in the church. <laughs> you guys can
1: fight later, okay? <laughs>
0: but, but, but I agree with that. I, I agree that sometimes you need that honesty, and I, I feel that's what we found here and how, what what drew us to continue to come back here. So I just kind of want to.
1: Hey, you, thank you. You heard me last week. We're making progress, right? Amen. Amen. I can feel it. <laughs> thank you, Lord. So cool. So I, I'm encouraging you all. And listen, if you're one of those people, it's like, would this guy ever get off my back? Come and talk to me. I promise I won't yell at you. I will tell you the truth. I will tell you the truth. Okay. I'll tell you what it says. I'll tell you when I'm not, nobody is totally sure what this verse of scripture really means. Nobody's totally sure. These verses over here, everyone's Sure. There's nothing to do. Anyone who believes the book knows that this is what it says. I'll be straight up with you. I don't know about that. I do know this. Here's my opinion about that. You may be wise to listen to my opinion, but you don't have to. Okay? Does that make sense? I mean, I'll just try to come clean. So I'm trying to move us ahead. There are areas we need to work on. One of the prescriptions was to look outside and and emphasize outreach. Not reaching into other people's churches and dragging their saints over here. That's not what we want to do. Those of you who are doing that, stop doing that. Just saying straight up. It's reaching lost people. And we need some power here. We need some power from the Holy Spirit. I was going to read something from Finney, but I'm going to hold it. When I do my grace-illustrated sermon called Reviving Grace. Ooh, won't that be fun? Revival grace. Everybody wants a revival, right? No, not really. No, not really. But let me close with this. A while back, I pulled up one of Rainer's comments, right? Four commitments every church member must make. I'm going to close with this. Here they are. Everybody remember this? I will wake up to reality. I will wake up. And what does that mean? that we're not where we need to be, that I'm not where I need to be completely, that we're not empowered to see the Spirit transform people enough. You get what I'm saying? We need to wake up to reality. If that doesn't change, I said, churches like this only have so many years on the horizon, friends. I, I am not death speaking on this. I'm speaking fact. Fact. It's all over our country. You can read the statistics yourself. You don't need me. Listen to this. A healthy church, he said, is nothing more than and nothing less than healthy church members. There's a profound idea. The reality for many churches is change or die. Building the house of God. See that one down there? I will build the house of God. Means having a witness that reaches those who don't yet know Christ as well. As a church gets busier, two things that get neglected most, here it comes, prayer and evangelism. Prayer and evangelism. I've got a... Re- Everybody knows I've got a problem. You know when the next prayer meeting is scheduled for? Football. Oh, Football of God. Anyway, don't know what we'll do. I'll be here probably. Anyway, I'm not judging anybody on that one. I mean, holy cow. I mean, you already bought all that. Co- oh, you bought all the stuff. What are you going to do? Okay. Can we you can tailgate right here if you want. Yeah, just. We'll open the side door. We'll pray and eat, pray and eat, pray and eat. Okay. I will wake up to reality. Every member of the body needs to be connected to the head. I will seek God, not my preferences. I will believe God can overcome all obstacles. And I told you when I read that the first time a year ago, I'm saying it again, you need to pray with me on that because that is a trust issue. I need some help. Believe God can overcome all obstacles and I will build the house of God. I'll share another time the answer he gives to the churches who will prevail, who will break out in the year 2018, what they did in order to break out because it's part of the direction we need to go on. There, that wasn't too bad, was it? You all get it? Here's what we need to be. Every one of us, every one of us who really loves Jesus, repentance is part of the normal Christian life. I'm open to the Holy Spirit speaking to me so that I recognize, oh, I've been doing that wrong. Oh, I made a mistake. I made a bad I made a bad vow. I promised myself I would never do that. Maybe you shouldn't have made that promise. Maybe God can forgive you. What do you think? Yes, he can. Holy mackerel. Grace Illustrated. Amen? All right. I'm going to close this out. Um, one of these days, I'm going to have to give an altar call. Who wants to build a house of God? Who wants to build a house of God? Let's stand together. The men that have been invited to a special meeting, it's downstairs. That's where we'll, we'll eat and meet. I'll keep you only one hour. And uh, the rest will be history. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. Thank you that they love me and forgive me for being so bent up and broken. And thank you that we can forgive each other for being bent up and broken. And help us to love one another when we're bent up and broken. (laughs) Wean out from us any thought that says, boy... Those people in the Old Testament, what a mess. Boy, I'm glad I'm not like that. Lord, open our eyes. The way my brother Ted had his eyes open, I know it's happening around this room. Come down with power. Help us, we pray. Thank you for your saints. Put your angels around them today as they go their way. We want to be used by you a week from now and beyond. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said... Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for my adjunct preachers this morning, both of them. (laughs)